0: name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. A couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who had been invited to a gala. You know, a, a party, a dinner, a fancy charitable organization sort of fundraising and celebrating the work they've done in the last year. And a friend of hers invited her to come and be at dinner, to sit at the table and sort of learn about the organization, what they do. And she was telling me that she had such a great time at this table. She really enjoyed talking to these people about the work they did. And it sort of oddly connected with the professional work that she did. So she felt like there were all these really great points of contact. And she went on to say that the part of the night came where they were gonna honor somebody And she's sort of in some detached way listening to the accolades of this recipient of the award. She's not really paying attention, but, you know, in the back of her head, she's like, wow, this sounds like a really great person who does lots of things and is very humble and very helpful and kind and, huh. So then they call her name. (laughs) And she says she sort of, like, looked behind her, like, what? Like, you're talking to me? Do you have my name tag up there? Did, like, did I leave the lights in my car on? Am I parked illegally? Is there a reason you're talking about me?" And sure enough, they were talking about her, and after a dramatic pause, she realized it, and she went up and sort of received the award. And as we were talking about this, she was telling me that she felt really vulnerable. Like, really vulnerable. Like, she had been seen in a, in a good way. Someone was honoring her and doing something nice for her, and her friend, obviously, had set her up. But she felt seen, she felt exposed, she felt vulnerable in a way that was really good, but hard. On the front of your bulletin is a painting, a Renaissance-style painting, that is The Calling of St. Matthew. And there are many, many different sort of portrayals of this moment. This is just one of them, and I think it's my favorite. But in all of them, Jesus walks in, usually in robes that are far too fancy, just like these, and he theoretically says to Matthew what the gospel says, you know, come and follow me, and Matthew in all of the paintings, every single one, is doing something like he's doing in this painting, the me, a little bit of a gasp, me, you're you're calling me, and in some of them he's even kind of pointing to himself, like really? (laughs) Really? Me? Jesus? And Jesus is just standing there sort of looking at him and pointing at him. Can you think of a time in your life when you have been seen like that? When you've been surprised by someone seeing you? I think it's a human experience to every once in a while sort of struggle to wrap your head around the fact that somebody is looking at you, calling you, noticing something good about you. And it's super fun, actually, to be on the other side, to be the one who sees something in somebody and sort of pulls it out and celebrates it. But both sides, it's a a human experience. And I think the artists who've created all of these images of Matthew's call are really on to something here because Matthew is shocked. And part of the reason he's shocked is because if you look at this picture, he is sitting at a table with the rest of the tax collectors so theoretically, this is a tax booth. They're all rather wealthy, doing quite well. And that's because stereotypically, tax collectors were not looked at terribly well by their brothers. Tax collectors were agents of Rome. They would go around, they were Jewish people who would go around collecting the taxes from their brothers and sisters who were also Jewish, and then they would take that money and turn it over to Rome. So they were seen as being traitors, first off. And the stereotype and the caricature of them was also that they were corrupt and that 9 out of 10 times they were skimming off the top and filling their own pockets with the money of the poor and the people who were already oppressed. So they were seen by their own tribe as people who were traitors, people who were thieves. They would have been left out, which is why we hear in the text sinners and tax collectors, like a It's a bad thing to call somebody. It's an insult. And so it must have been something to have Jesus look at him and be able to see past that. It must have been a surprise, maybe a slightly vulnerable, painful surprise, to have Jesus look at him and like God did at the beginning of time over creation, say, you are good. Because Jesus has the ability to look past whatever it is that brings Matthew to this place, whether it's of his own making, his own choices, his own sort of life course that he set for himself that ends him up in this place, or if it's life circumstances, things that happen to him, or a little bit of both. However it is he ends up on this road, however it is that he he ends up being an outsider, Jesus is able to look past that and to see that Matthew is good. And that had to be a shock for Matthew, who was used to everybody else just sort of casting him aside, seeing him as a tax collector, and assuming he was the worst. It must have been something, too, for Matthew to get up from that table. The text doesn't tell us an awful lot about this exchange or what they say, but there must have been something special about Jesus and about what he said in order for Matthew to just get up. Because it was a wealthy, popular table. Whether they were liked by everyone else or not, certainly they had some relationship and camaraderie at that table. They were a small group, but they were in it together. He was leaving certainly the money behind as well, the power, the privilege, the station, the protection of Rome. And so he still gets up from this table and goes to follow Jesus and chooses... The Jesus who can see him as good. The Jesus who offers him something else. The Jesus who invites him to be part of a a community. A community of disciples, a community of followers, a community of people who are going to build this movement of love. But let's let's not forget the disciples' part in this either. They could not possibly have been excited when Jesus brought Matthew back to join them. There's no way that they were like, look, look, It's a tax collector. That's awesome. No way. Instead, what they probably said is, hey, Jesus, could you make this any harder for us? Could you make it any harder for me to try and explain to my family what you're doing? Why I'm here? Could you make it any harder for us to get over the fact that you really want us to let go of stereotypes and difference? And could you really... Could you just give us a break? I am sure that it was hard for them to get over the fact that all of a sudden, in their midst, in the close confines of this community, they gathered around Jesus, was someone that they originally thought was a traitor and a thief. But Jesus' vision of who Matthew can be, of the life he can have if he's connected to that community. His vision of how Matthew can grow and how the world will be changed by Matthew's faith is much more important. And the world is indeed changed by Matthew's faith. Matthew follows Jesus for the rest of his earthly life, and then he becomes an apostle who helps to build the church after Jesus is resurrected. And there are churches and people all over the world who claim this story as theirs, like we do, and who believe that they have something to learn and something to gain from Matthew's example. So the thing this morning that I really want you to take in is that moment of surprise. Because Jesus is not just looking at Matthew and calling Matthew, Jesus is looking at you this morning and calling you, calling you good, calling you to follow, calling you to see what Jesus can see about the path that could be ahead of you in the life that you could have if you grow in this faith, if you're connected to a community, and if you choose to be part of Jesus' work in the world. The same path stretches before you, and Jesus can look straight at you, at all the choices you've made, at all the things that have happened to you, and still say, you are my beloved. You are good. You belong. You have a place in this community. You have a place in this work. This is the good news today, that Jesus is looking at you in that same same sort of surprising, vulnerable, maybe a little scary, but kind of great way, and asking you to take that in. The other thing that I love about this painting is that if you look carefully... The artist really didn't want you to miss Matthew, so there is a star above his head. The artist really wanted you to be very clear what was happening in this picture. So there's this tiny little star above Matthew's head. And the reason this painting won out over another one where Matthew was really pointing at himself in a hilarious way, is because I think that star can represent for us the presence of the spirit. At baptism and in community, the Holy Spirit comes to be with us, to call us, to name us, to strengthen us, and to love us. And Matthew couldn't possibly have gotten up from that table and gone and chosen this new adventure if the Spirit hadn't moved him to do it, if he hadn't felt like he was in the embrace of God. And he certainly couldn't have continued to make that choice, as all of us have to, because it's not just a one-moment kind of thing. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice that we make over and over and over again. And the good news is that like that star over Matthew's head, the Spirit rests over us, trying to send us in the right direction, trying to remind us that we're not alone, trying to give us the things that we need. So this morning, I'd ask you to try and reach for that feeling of surprise, of knowing that Jesus is looking at you and calling for you. Know that the Spirit is wrapped around you to help you, to guide you, to give you an entrance into that work and know that you belong in this community just as Matthew belonged with the disciples. You belong here. Amen.